G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Footyology Final Siren after the first preliminary final. And wow, what a night for the Melbourne Football Club. The Demons into their first grand final for 21 years. Their third grand final for, geez, I got myself in trouble here, 57 years. And of course, uh, a chance of a first premiership and a 13th Premiership, their first flag since 1964. What a smashing it was. Melbourne running out victors over a hapless Geelong by 83 points, believe it or not. It's been a long time since the Cats have been taken apart like that. Melbourne, absolutely outstanding. We're here to talk about it, talk about the uh, victors and the vanquished, because clearly there's going to be some serious questions asked about Geelong, their future, where the Cats are at. And plenty to talk about with the Demons. Can they be stopped? So this is your forum. Send your questions in now. Uh, You'll see them coming up on our new look uh, interface. So send one in. You'll see it up there. We'll answer it. And uh, we're here to talk about anything else you'd like to put on the football agenda as well. Plenty going on uh, beyond the last four teams left in the competition with coaching stuff. Uh, trade stuff, you name it, it's happening. So there's a lot to talk about. Get your questions in. As I say, very good evening to my co-host, Mark Fine. Well, it's a grand old flag, Finey. They were absolutely on fire. Superb. At dust, we could look at it, and I'm sure we will from Geelong's perspective, but let's look at it from the Melbourne perspective. We said coming into this game that they owned, arguably, three of the best five footballers in the competition. Anybody want to disagree with that? Anybody want to disagree with the standing of Max Gorn, Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver tonight? I don't think we'd have too many detractors. And Rowan, I know that you quite rightly said third grand final appearance or, well, you know, 1964, there's been two grand final appearances since this is the third. Really, the other two, they were such inconsidered outsiders. I mean, we're talking about 2000 Essendon, the hottest of hot favourites, Hawthorne likewise in 88. This time, Melbourne will head into the grand final, regardless of what happens tomorrow night, as the rightful favourites to break this duck. They are going to be the favourites in two weeks' time, no question. Yeah, it's a good point because, uh, as you said, those two grand finals arguably came up against uh, the two best sides ever. Uh, Essendon losing only one game in 2000, Hawthorne in 1988, arguably the peak uh, of that Hawthorne dynasty. So couldn't be better placed to break that 57-year drought. All right, there's heaps of questions coming through already. Let's start off, though, with the details. The quarter-by-quarter scores first. And this was a belting right from the start. The Demons, five goals to one in that opening term. So already, uh, I mean, a lot of talk pre-game had to get off to a good start. Well, they did that and a bit more. 
the only quarter that was relatively even was the second. And even then, Melbourne got out to a, I think, 41-point lead at one stage. The Cats kicking the last two of the second quarter. Could they? Could that be the start of a comeback? Well, I've got to say, easy to be wise after the event. I never thought so. I didn't think the Cats looked like it at any stage. And boy, did Melbourne put it to bed quickly after the restart. Four goals in the first seven minutes of that third quarter. Eight for the turn. In fact, 8-2 to a solitary behind. And the difference, or the scores at three-quarter time, 17-8 to 5-2, which made the last quarter just, well, stay out of trouble as far as the Demons were concerned. They did that. In fact, a goal wasn't kicked until the 20th minute of the final quarter. And uh, even in the last quarter, Melbourne winning that as well, two goals to one. The final scores, 19-11-125, defeating the Cats 6-6-42. 83 points the margin. The goals and best, well, unbelievable performance by the skipper. Max Gorn dominated the ruck, dominated up forward with five goals, a personal best. Couldn't have picked a better time to produce it. Three goals to Cozzy Pickett, two to Spargo, two to Brown, two to Fritch. Singles to Harms, Neil Bullen, Petrarca, Sparrow and McDonald. For the Cats, just one multiple goal kicker, and that was Jeremy Cameron, who in fact kicked the first and last goals of the game. And the rest for Geelong, one to Stanley, one to Myers, one to Hawkins, and the other goal to Smith. The best, as voted by Mark Fine, Max Gorn. Uh, you had to give him BOG tonight. Christian Petrarca, what an incredible game he played. Clayton Oliver, not far behind. Jack Viney, one of his best games for a long time. He was terrific, particularly early. Salem off halfback, terrific. And Spargo, a bit of a live wire closer to goal. And for the Cats, well, hard to find too many, but Dangerfield tried very hard. Cam Guthrie, Selwood, Smith, Duncan, and Zach Guthrie, who battled his heart out in defence, which frankly was under assault most of the evening. All right, let's get straight into questions because they're banking up already. Um, I might just read a few comments too when no one's asking questions. So Rocky D'Amelio says, 10 years, no draft picks, top up of recycled slow mids, defenders and small forwards get smashed in big games with teams with pace. Obviously, talking about Geelong. <laughs> Someone calling themselves Joe Hildebrand. I'm tipping it's not the real thing because he's an absolute flog and there's no way he'd turn into a quality footy show like this. He says, surely Selwood has to retire after tonight's effort. Trout from Woodend, a raw-tastic night of footy. Thanks, Geelong, for your first pick next draft. Unlike you, Trout, to bring it back to Richmond. Well done, though. It was hard, but you managed it. Matt Crowley Ferguson, or Crowley Ferguson, sorry. Melbourne Stars really delivered. But one young player who continues to impress is Jake Bowie. Okay, throw that one to you, Finey, because I know you're a fan. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Not only did his dad play for St Kilda, but played for St Kilda during the darkest times, Brett Bowie. And I think his son, well, he certainly he's already eclipsed him for finals. I don't think Brett played in a final. Young Jake's played in two. He's going to play in a grand final. And... You know what? No matter who they play, he's going to be very much an important soldier because if it's the Bulldogs, 
even though I think it'll be Port. If it's, oh, I've given away my tip already. If it's the Bulldogs, Cody Waitman most likely to be back and he'll need a lot of attention. And if it's Port, they've got enough small forwards to keep a battalion of Drake Bowie's busy. So, yeah, he's he's a really hard-at-it young man and uses it pretty well too. Well, that's what I was going to say. Um, he's not just hard-at-it. I reckon he's got plenty of class. He's a, a real sure user of the footy. So, really impressive. And uh, you reckon he keeps his spot? Um, oh, 100%. And, Rowan, just even though we had a very much abbreviated VFL season, when Bowie arrived at the club, which was only this year, on baller and forward was his footy card, but they immediately put him deep in defence. And obviously with a, a view that if he was to break into the seniors, that's where he would be playing. So once again, Casey Demon's proving to be a very worthwhile breeding ground and, and um, position-wise, a very important period spent with Casey before he broke into the seniors. Yes, spot on. David Haley next. Uh, well, been a great year for Geelong, but now they need to retire. Selwood, Henderson, Dalhouse and Rowan. Look for a new coach. As a Geelong supporter, I'm shattered, but hoping the D's win for Neil Danaher. All right, look, it's easy to overreact to a finals thumping, but I've got to say, the way the Cats play footy has to change because for the second final out of three, they had a lot of physical pressure put on them and they didn't cope well with it. They turned over the ball time and time again. Yeah, unfortunately, that back line, and it's often where you rebuild a team. Just have a look at Melbourne and how they've prospered with that long-term plan that saw May and Lever come to the club. We'll talk about May shortly. But that back line needs rejigging, doesn't it, Rowan? Henderson certainly seems to have come to the end of his time and it's been a great story of survival I admit that and they need some small defenders their reliance on Stewart has been graphic and they also need to bolster that midfield and get some run into the team don't they? They need pace all over the ground they lack a small defender um, it's funny like going back uh, to the start of 2019 we thought gee they've got a bevy of, of uh, zippy small forwards now who apply pressure we were talking about Dowhouse when he first arrived Atkins and Myers. Um, Atkins is now playing in defence. Dowhouse has just lost it. And um, Myers hasn't really progressed from that uh, initial promise. So they've got some issues there. Isaac Smith is... Uh, Max Holmes could end up as in a, into... Sorry, become a pacey midfielder for them. But, boy, G. Selwood, I wonder if... Um, I wonder if it's a given that he does play on next year. That's going to be a tough decision for him and for them, I suspect. Yeah, it'll be a real sort of um, measuring stick, won't it, as to whether or not they believe they've got one more shot in the locker or whether or not they start regrouping. And I'm not saying necessarily bottom out, but definitely rebuilding. And I think you will look at whether or not Selwood plays as a real marker on that one. Well, I mean, we, I don't know how many times over the years we've said end of an era for Geelong. It's become a standing joke. But I've got to say, it feels more like it now than most of those other times, I reckon. So anyway, we'll, I'm sure there'll be further questions about that. We can talk about it a bit more. A few more comments. Mike Lacey says, Cameron Curse, last three losing finals he's played in, he's kicked the first goal. 
That's right. I think the 2019 grand final he did too, didn't he? Um, Adrian Sal says Cats are Dad's Army. Uh, Tim Michaels says September Time Wasters. Nick, Cats fan, very graciously says, looks like the Ds are almost banishing the Norm Smith curse. Uh, Grant King, your thoughts on Geelong's mids defensive responsibility. Melbourne, 100 points from stoppages, just ludicrous. They were absolutely supreme at the, at the uh, stoppages tonight, the Ds, weren't they? And I think that's a really good point, Grant, because, you know, Danger's not known for his defensive work. Selwood's defensive work seems to be more about tackling than positioning as such. You don't often see him on the defensive side of a stoppage. Um, it's, it strikes me as odd that that would be a flaw in a side coach by Chris Scott, because I think Chris Scott is pretty tactically astute. But just that reputation, does that now come under question? They continue to play a game style, which hasn't held up under pressure and which has left them short of the premiership uh, dais. Um, there's a few issues about that, but uh, specifically on the mids, finding your take on that. Yeah, it's only part from Cameron Guthrie, who I view as a goal square to goal square sort of tyro and really fulfills his defensive obligations. No surprise given how he started his career more as a, a run with player. There has to be questions about Menegola. I really feel that he was a bit one way a few times this season. I wonder what Geelong supporters think of his defensive efforts. Selwood, I guess, spread is the question rather than uh, willingness. And if there is a stoppage, he'll get there and he'll provide defence options. And Dangerfield, as you say, you've got to have somebody rolling the dice going forwards for you at a stoppage. What really tonight was, I think, almost in your face from the first bounce was when Melbourne got the ball in a centre clearance, they were able to create enormous spread and run, with, and mainly because Petrarca and Oliver can take on an opponent, beat them, and then open things up. Whereas if Geelong got the ball in a centre clearance, it was slam it on your boots, see if you can get it 10 metres forward. Very different how they use their first possession after the, after the ball up. Yeah, well, a point or two to Geelong's lack of pace around that part of the ground too. I mean, Petrarca and Oliver are hardly the quickest mids going around, but so many times they just were able to burst clear of their Geelong opponents, weren't they? Selwood to Oliver didn't really work. Um, I think Menegola was on Petrarca at the start, but um, Melbourne just consistently won those uh, takeaways right around the ground, not just at the centre bounces. And, and uh, Viney and Brayshaw were important in that too. Well, they were. I mean, that's the midfield depth that they have now. And uh, I was thinking, looking up in the box too, Depth generally, when you've got the likes of um, Melksham not playing, Nathan Jones not playing, uh, there was someone else up in that box who, who had been a regular previously. I mean, you know, they've got some great options. They would have been holding their breath about Stephen May early on, but great to see him get back out on the ground. And you'd think given that, uh, he'd have to be a, a pretty certain starter for the grand final, uh, more so seeing he'd got two weeks to get ready for it. Um, Matt again says, could this be the result that sees Chris Scott heading to Carlton with the CEO? I think that's certainly going to be a bit of a talking point for me. Um, I'm, I'm not 100% sure what Chris Scott's contractual status is now, but um, if you're not across the news today, uh, quite dramatic goings on at Carlton with 
Kane Riddle, the CEO, being sacked. Brian Cook appearing the likely choice to uh, replace him. And Brian Cook's steadfastly refused to comment. But now the cat season's over. Maybe we'll see that in coming days. And that would certainly sweeten the deal for the cat coach to uh, look elsewhere, wouldn't it? Um, Alistair Clarkson, of course, being thrown up again in those discussions. Any thoughts on that one, Fawny? They're going to, Carlton, they're going to hang on to grim death for a proven coach with a track record, aren't they? It's, you know, I mean, I hope they don't get desperate enough to start grave digging and interring bodies of late premiership coaches because they seem hell-bent on getting somebody who's been to the top of the mountain before, no matter how much that person says no or how much the football world sort of tells us that that's not the best route to rebuilding a club or to getting into the eight. Anyhow, that's their issue. All right, well, back to the game. Uh, not seeing many Melbourne comments here. We seem to have disgruntled uh, Geelong comments. Hayden Murdoch says there has to be list management consequences after Gary Rowan's 15th finals faux pas out of 16. Uh, I don't know if it's quite that bad. I did look at his finals record the other week. He's played two or three decent finals, but to be perfectly honest, not a lot. I think prior to last week, his disposal average across all those games was something like 8.8. And he kicked, I think uh, it was at 14 finals, he kicked like eight goals in 14 finals. And tonight, he literally did not have a touch of the footy to half time. I can't remember seeing that for a, a guy who's spent most of his time on the ground for a half, eventually subbed out of the game with an injury. But uh, boy, he had a Barry Crocker. And I can't think of a player who's got more of a millstone around his neck in terms of poor finals performances than him. It's just got to ridiculous lengths. I mean, I'm pretty sure half time. Did they have three players who hadn't touched it? No, no. Colin Jasney didn't touch it in the first half. I did write it down actually. Uh, yeah, he did. He had one or two. Uh, they half time. They had uh, Rowan zero, Henry one, Colin Jasney two, Cameron two. Outstanding. Uh, yeah, well, you need to be getting a fair bit more of the footy than that. Actually, just um, on those stats. Couldn't find a category the Cats won. Uh, probably not surprising. Melbourne won the disposals by 34. Inside 50s, 55 to 42. You might have thought it was more lopsided than that. Certainly felt so. Um, oh, actually, Geelong won the clearances, 45 to 41, believe it or not. Uh, Melbourne won the contested ball by 32. Uncontested ball, they won by five. That doesn't happen often against the Cats. Marks 16 to 5. Oh, that must have been Marks inside 50. And despite their uh, mortgage on possession, Melbourne even won the tackle count 64-59. So absolutely dominant. Uh, highest individual uh, disposal winners, Viney 34, Petrarca 32, Salem 29, Oliver 27, Langdon 21. Even Big Max Gorn managed 19 disposals, five, of course, of which were goals. Uh, all right, uh, BT Gold suggesting should Perth lose the grand final for the Mexican wave antics? That was a bit of a flashback to the 1980s, wasn't it? Unacceptable. Excellent, <laughs> excellent SMS. Uh, Take it off them. Isn't it SMS? I don't know what we call these things. I think they're messages. Um, now, uh, seeing someone's... Mark G says, agree, Rowan, read Jason Bennett. How good. I did tweet during the game... Um, 
we are starting a public campaign to pressure Channel 7 into using Jason Bennett for the grand final commentary. I think uh, we're both big fans of Anthony Hudson. We're fans of Adam Papalia. But Jason Bennett, from a Channel 7 perspective, in my view, far and away their best caller. And he was terrific tonight. He calls the game. He does his research. Um, the sort of comments he makes about players and situations are always spot on. He's got a good knowledge of history. I know Jason well enough to know that he loves his footy. He's a footy tragic like us, Friday. That comes out in his calling. His voice is good. Um, it's not about him. He's never telling silly anecdotes or backslapping the other commentators. I reckon he's an absolute gun. Anyway, if you want to get on board and you use Twitter, the hashtag is Bennett4GF. Retweet it now and we'll see if we can force Channel 7 into making a late inclusion, if indeed they weren't planning on using him. But I suspect they probably weren't. Your thoughts on Jason Bennett? For yeah, he's very good. Very good. And I've got to say that Hamish called well tonight as well. Okay. All right. So decent double act then. Austin Phillips says about Geelong, bringing in another tall was a bad move. Cats were smashed at ground level. Finey? Well, Stanley, Stanley copped a pasting, didn't he, from Max Gorn? Yeah, they just were no good tonight, Geelong, and I don't think that there were any, honestly, I don't think that there were any levers, pardon the pun, that they could have pulled a selection. No deck chairs to be moved. Tom Stewart was a huge loss for them, but that in itself shows what a glaring lack of mobility there is at the drop of the ball in the back line. And you can't be that reliant on one player, Alan. Well, one of the reasons he's so important, we talk about his interceptability and getting Zach Tui back helped that. Not having a pair of them was costly, but as well as that, I mean, they create so much of their offense off half back. And both Port Adelaide two weeks ago and Melbourne tonight simply didn't allow the Cats to generate any run at all off halfback, they pressured so well and locked the ball inside that forward 50. And Geelong just doesn't seem to have an answer to it. And the Cats are so sort of um, unshakable on playing that controlled tempo football that when that heat came on them, they were trying to, I wouldn't call it finesse, but they were trying, you know, little passes, handballs that weren't going to come off and came unstuck time and time again. And it's like, have they become so drilled in that way of playing footy that they're now not prepared to back themselves to kick down the line to a contest and see if someone can take a mark? They just, they don't seem to have a plan B. They don't have any run. I, I just wonder whether those players that have become so conditioned to that style of play are capable of providing that run. I don't think Selwood can. No, I know, actually, Selwood can't. Buse can't. In fact, the one time Buse sort of ran forward, he looked clumsy. He fell over, but he did get up and pass it to Hawkins. That was Hawkins, I think, only goal of the night. But their their half back line just doesn't have any run in it, does it? No, I mean, it doesn't. I think you've also got a question now. When you think about all the players from other clubs have traded in over the last two to three years. How many of them actually fix that problem? The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Isaac Smith. Yeah, the correct. Others are, Smith's, Smith's the know, one. Well, Cameron's a key forward. 
Um, Higgins is a, yes, he is a midfielder, but he's not quick. Um, Dalhouse was a, a small forward. Um, who else are we talking about there? Help me here. How well, they've had there? Zach Tui come in. They've had Henderson come in. Defended. I mean, a lot of their players are from other clubs. Reece Stanley came in from another club. You know, the, the, the reality is that they have backed a style of play that's got them so far every season, but not far enough. And the thing is, I think we observed this year that there was no Richmond, no sort of standout team, even though Melbourne are flexing their muscles at the right time. But a team that can really play that high octane sort of football, you know, that, that high octane pressure football, pressure, really has Geelong at their mercy, don't they, in a finals? We said so in the preview on Thursday that it just doesn't feel like the sort of football that wins finals. Yeah, look, I mean, in fairness, you wouldn't have said that at halftime the last year's grand final or 30 seconds before halftime when they lead by 21 points. But ultimately, it did prove short of the mark. And this year, you know, they've ended up losing two finals out of three again. So uh, something's got to give on that score. Certainly not a lot of love for Chris Scott and his methodology on here. Um, Robert Rice is once again a dominant opposition ruckman proving to be Geelong's kryptonite. We haven't had a decent ruckman since Brad Ottens retired 10 years ago. Which begs the question, why haven't they gone out and got one? Yeah, well, uh, you know, they, they have made some move for Darcy, but that was knocked on the head by the man himself, the Fremantle ruckman. It's Zach Smith they recruited, but that was not a wise choice. No, no, and, and good ruckmen have been recruited, haven't they? It's not like it's impossible, you know, but maybe they didn't see the beauty in a Paddy Ryder or a, one of those older ruckmen that could really still ruck. Wouldn't have, wouldn't, have, wouldn't have they hit a home run if they saw something in Jared Witts who just couldn't get a look in at Collingwood behind Grundy when Gold Coast picked him up at could have been the sort of masterstroke that won them premierships. Well, I mean, they've shown a lot of faith in Ray Stanley, but, um, you know, he was dropped for a qualifying final, what, 2019, and hasn't done the job in the grand final last year or in the, in, uh, he was okay last week, I thought, but didn't do the job this week. And that's the story of Ray Stanley, that Correct. consistency. Um, all right, I'm going to read a few more comments. Uh, Frogger says, be great to see Melbourne break the drought. Hoping against hope, Nathan Jones can sneak into the side. One word answer, Finey. Will Nathan Jones come into the side? No. No, he won't. Unless someone does a handy at trading, and even then he probably won't, I suspect. Blind Magnet says, surely it's time for Selwood to retire. He's just an angry old man going around thumping people now. Finey, should Joel Selwood retire? Yep. You reckon? Yep. Mm. Well... I say no on that one. I, I think his form this season until probably the last third of a season was pretty damn good. I don't know if he's been carrying something. Um, the problem with him getting older is he doesn't look like the sort of bloke that can graduate or, sorry, what's the opposite of graduate, um, regress almost to another position, you know, like an Ablett or someone like that. You can't see him playing as a smaller forward or running off half-back. I mean, he's an out-and-out -out midfielder 
And if he's not getting enough of the footy, is he doing enough? He is, however, an outstanding captain. And I think that, that ability can be overlooked. I'd be giving him another year. Uh, be interesting to see where he's at contractually as well. Uh, Hayden Murdoch again says, do you think the Cats have too many private school designer grunge long-haired banded, long head-banded players, e.g. Myers, Henderson, Stanley, Henry, Cam Guthrie and Blitzars? It's an interesting theory. I don't know. Is the designer long-haired, uh, grungy, head-banded look go exclusively with private schools? I wouldn't have thought so. No, I was wondering tonight about looks. I mean, they've got a player who is straight off a 1970s football card. And I wonder whether it's really a look that he likes or he's just being sort of funky retro. Oh, Brad Close? No, Tom Atkins. Oh, I mean, that that, that moustache is, to me, straight out of footy cards 1970. Now, does he love that look or is it, sort of half an in-joke. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, well, Brad Close is a bit the same way, I think. It's sort of that 70s porn, I've come to clean the pool look about it. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm told. Um, all right. Yeah, because you've never had a clean pool. Correct, correct. Uh, <laughs> I certainly don't now. All right, got to keep reading comments. Uh, David Chet says, see what happens in the preliminary final when there's no end of season by. Yep, good question. Uh, good question. Good comment. The the top four prevailed, and uh, some of us think that's the way it should be. Doesn't necessarily make for a thrilling preliminary final. Uh, be interesting to see if that's replicated tomorrow night. Although I strongly suspect that won't be. Um, I will right. say that Melbourne, with Stephen May, are grateful of the buy coming up this week. Yes, they will be. Yeah. And um, it's going to be interesting. We, we don't know what sort of impact it's going to have. At least, however, it will be the same for both teams. Yeah, which it's even. You couldn't say about uh, the pre-finals by. Hmm. Um, Peter Phoebe says, no last dance doco series for the Cats. Um, Ronnie Isco, uh, Cadenia Park's a narrow ground. They get exposed on the wider grounds. Um, yeah, fair comment. I know you're big on that one, Finey. Yep. Uh, Tim Dole says, Cats will drop off the edge. They tried the free agency top-up and it's failed to get them a cup a long way back from here. Uh, Daniel Hood, Geelong can be top four again next year, but after that bottom. Johnson Von Trapp says, I think the home ground advantage at KP covers Geelong's inadequacy. Same thing. Uh, Mike Lacey, would you seriously consider delisting or trading Rowan? Serious issues between the years gone missing too many times in finals now. All right, Finey, if you were Geelong's list manager, would you be putting Rowan up for trade? No one will take him. Think so? How old is he? Yeah, he's getting on. He'd be 28 or 29, I think. Feel free to chip in if someone's got the answer there. Uh, he is he is the sort of player that another club would expect to get for free. And I'm not saying that he wouldn't play on. He's 30 years old. So I'm not saying that he wouldn't play on next year, but he doesn't have trade value. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because it's probably been his best season. But, I mean, I, 
He's, he's got so many convictions on on the finals question now that at what point do you sort of cut your losses? Um, and what and, this manager would put their name to trading out for him. Mm, he just don't. Be a gamble. Anthony Wallam says, Geelong not having a decent Ruckman's finally caught up with them. That's a recurring theme in the comments. Uh, not a lot of love for Gary Rowan. Has anyone found him yet? Says Stephen Smith. Um, all right, let's talk. Uh, Daniel Hood has asked off topic thoughts on Jake Kelly. And if you haven't been across the news today, Jake Kelly, Adelaide defender, is a free agent. And um, I'm just being told off for drinking Coke, no sugar by someone. Uh, apologies. So I'll get on the healthier stuff soon, I promise. In fact, I've got some water right here. Uh, Jake Kelly, Adelaide defender. Nice one, fine. Yours is vodka, though. Um, <laughs> no, it's water, I think. Jay Kelly, uh, been a very reliable defender for the Crows. He has declared his intent to come back home, and it looks like Essendon is in the running for him. But here at Footyology, we're not just about analysis. We're about breaking news when there is news to break. And finally, I believe you have some breaking news on the free agency slash trade front involving... Adelaide and Essendon, but not Jake Kelly. Can you uh, fill us in, please? Yeah. Now, Jake Kelly would be nice, sort of an upgrade on Stewart. But I believe Essendon are about to pick up exactly the player they need. And who would a, that be? A, an absolute hard-added bull for the midfield, so much so that his nickname is the Bull. And Ben Keyes wants to return to Victoria and he'll be playing for Essendon if he has his way. Well, that is, I must say, I, I missed that today or I hadn't seen that and I'm stunned. I mean, Ben Keyes has been sensational for Adelaide. What's happening at the Crows? That's personal reasons and it would be a big, big loss for them. But I believe that, that I've been told that that, is the case by somebody who should know. Okay. Can I ask the somebody who should know, are they in the player management field? Or? No, no, no not, not in player management. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. You heard it first on Footyology Final Siren. Jay Kelly, not only Jay Kelly, apparently headed to Essendon, but valuable midfielder Ben Keyes. And uh, that would be a massive loss for a rebuilding Adelaide. But I'll tell you what, he, I agree with you. I think he's just the sort of... Uh, imagine Essendon's starting to put together a pretty formidable midfield group if they can get a player like that, uh, given the sort of form he's shown for Adelaide over the last couple of years. All right, let's keep going. Uh, there's a lot of Gary Rowan sledging going on. I don't think we need to indulge all of that. Yep, the Rowan joke is done, guys. Uh, Bo Kelly, why isn't Choco Williams being talked about for the Carlton coaching job? I think, rightly or wrongly, I think there's a bit of a view that he's a bit of an old-school coach and perhaps in a tactical sense, maybe the game has gone past him a bit. He certainly has a valuable role to play in the development and uh, assistant sort of ranks, and he's doing that pretty well with Melbourne now. But do you agree with that, finding? I think clubs... I agree. Mark, he's a bit of yesterday's man in terms of coaching. I agree um, yes. similar sort of thing to a Gary Ayres or someone like that, I reckon. Not saying that's right, but uh, 
Uh, interesting stat from Stephen Smith. Tom Hawkins has now played 27 finals for 37 goals, including two lots of five. So take that out and you've got 27 goals from 25 games. You can, take, think... one, you can take one goal off that as well, Ralph. Which one was that? Against St Kilda in the grand final when he hit the post. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that that uh, isn't still grating on you 13 years later or 12 years later. Yeah, um, I'm going to stick up for him tonight, though. His life was made very, very difficult. He never got clean delivery in there. Um, Geelong never got the ball in there quick enough to give him enough space to work in. There was one out near the boundary where um, Harrison Petty did spoil very well, but yeah. he was right on his hammer. He just couldn't get any separation to his opponent. And uh, even a player as strong as Tomahawk, that's going to make life very difficult. And I had a fair bit of sympathy for him tonight. That being said, that one shot he had in the first half, that was a howler. Oh, that yeah. was a bad kick. Well, everything they touched tonight turned to, you know, what, what about that one bit in the last quarter when, was it Hawkins actually kicked it across to Cameron and Cameron fumbled it? You know, they just, yeah, yeah. nothing went right for them the entire evening. Um, and they were just... Shattered by the end of it, and I guess the lack of confidence sort of became infectious, really, isn't it? Um, yep. Now, now I tweeted. You tweeted. A, well, that's a news event in itself. Yeah, yeah. There you go. A oh. wonderful omen for Melbourne heading into the grand final in a fortnight. What is it? Well, a lot of people are going to make something of the fact the last time they finished on top of the ladder, they won the flag. But I have a better omen for them. Do you know in 1940, Tokyo were supposed to hold the Olympic Games, but because of the war, they didn't? Right. In 1940, Melbourne won the flag. Mm -hmm. In 1964, Tokyo held the Olympic Games and Melbourne won the flag. Now, in 2021, against all odds, Tokyo held the Olympic Games. Mm. And Melbourne might win the flag. You get good odds 2021 <laughs> being a Tokyo Olympic year. Only you would come up with that sort of uh, historical omen, but it's a good one. No, I'll give you that. Yeah, any other war omens involving Melbourne, uh, send them in. And there could be a few too, because that's sort of the time they were winning their flags. In fact, for the younger viewers tonight, Melbourne um, had a, as successful a period as football has seen, five premierships in the space of six seasons between 1955 and 1960, and probably yeah. should have been six in a row. And Rowan, may I say, they are very comfortable with the Olympics in, on, in their hip pocket. Their first premiership was 1900, an Olympic year. 1948, they won the flag, an Olympic year. 1956, they won the flag. The Olympics were held in Melbourne. 1960, they won the flag, Olympics. 64, Olympics. In fact, the two grand finals that they've played in since 64 were both in Olympic years, 88 and 2000. And even though you could have got odds of 50,000 to one five years ago of 2021 being an Olympic year, it is. That is amazing. In fact, I do remember... Grand final day, 1988, uh, Ben Johnson. Correct. Uh, winning the 100-metre sprint about half an hour before the start of the grand final yep. and uh, didn't turn out well for him or the Demons as it transpired. 
Uh, Michael Decker asked, was that the most dominant display in a preliminary final since the 84 preliminary final? What happened that day? Well, Michael hasn't said this, but don't worry, I know. Essendon defeated Collingwood by 133 points in the 1984 preliminary final. Uh, Leon Baker, six goals. Paul Vanderhaar, four goals. Ron Andrews, um, two goals. Ron Andrews, two goals for Collingwood. Two of their four goals. Um, there's been a few. I mean, uh, Port in 2007 demolished North Melbourne by 70-odd points. Uh, any others off the top of your head, Finey? Um, preliminary probably... finals, I wrote this this week, actually. Yeah. Preliminary finals, since we've had the two of them, have often tended to produce one blowout and one thriller, which all mm-hmm. is well for tomorrow night. I can tell you that of the last 10 preliminary, sorry, the last 20 preliminary finals played, eight have been decided by single-figure margins. Yeah. I right. mean, Richmond in 2017 were pretty comfortable. Uh, six goals, yeah, in the end. And it was tight until early in the last quarter. But, yeah, there's been plenty around that five, six goal mark. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Tim Dole says, Geelong were as bad as Melbourne were good tonight. The grand final will be Melbourne v Port, a fight between two teams that are well-drilled, tough, attacking and informed. Should be a cracker. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'm not taking that as a given. I've got a few thoughts about that game tomorrow, but um, selection doesn't make me as confident. Uh, we're going to see the result I tipped. Um, ben Healy says, Jason Bennett recognised Toby Bedford in the D's players box sitting alongside Nathan Jones. Great knowledge, the closest thing we have to Bruce. Also would uh, reflect his knowledge of uh, VFL, which he calls regularly yeah, as well. Correct. But- Isn't it... Let's be honest. I mean, it's not... He could recognise Toby Bedford, but Brian Taylor was able to recognise Tom Harley and he wasn't even at the game. (laughs) You won't let that one go, will you? Um, (laughs) I've got to say, it is a comment on what we think of commentary these days that that Jason... And look, don't get me wrong, I think Jason's fantastic. But, you know, 20 years ago, would we have been this enthusiastic about Jason Bennett? We would have said, yeah, he's pretty good, Jason Bennett. But you would have been able to nominate half a dozen other callers who called yeah, in a similar correct. fashion and correct. were just as good. But now, given the way commentary has gone, he just stands out like a sore thumb. It is, you'd think at some point Channel 7 executives would get it, wouldn't you? But um, nope, no siree. Rowan, I've got to ask you, you didn't happen to catch... Who wants to be your millionaire hot seat last night, did you? Uh, sadly, no, I didn't, Fonny. What oh, were you doing God. watching that? Thank God you didn't. Why, Eddie told an uh, indulgent story about himself that went for 10 minutes? Unfortunately, one of the contestants was a teacher, I think, of St Bernard's, and that prompted a cavalcade of St Bernard's footballers playing in the AFL. Past uh, and present. Was the teacher into that discussion or didn't they give a toss? Um, the teacher sort of piped up when... Who, who's a current St Bernard's player? There's a sort of a good a good player somewhere floating around. I don't know. She'd heard of that player because she's a current teacher, but the rest just seemed to waft past her. I wouldn't have worried yet. Um, all right, uh, Grant King says, Darcy Fort is a gun and Geelong won't pick him. I haven't seen enough of him to comment fairly on that, to be honest, but uh, take your word for it, Grant. 
Mm. Um, ben Healy says the D's work rate far superior. Didn't really see Hawkins and Cameron press up and take marks on the wing. Well, that that gets back to I think Ben the comment I made about them being thwarted coming off half back because that's when you do see them lead up when you've got the likes of Stewart, Tui, etc., Atkins, whoever, um, belting that ball out of the back fifty. And you've got those hit-up key forwards getting up as far as the wings. That just didn't happen tonight. Their ball movement was hurried and it was like treacle and there was just no room for the key forwards in which to work. Their hit-up forwards, Radicalia, he works far, much further down the field than the other two. Yeah, he had a bad one tonight, though, didn't he? Um, yeah, well, he doesn't get a lot of the ball. I'll tell you what, kudos. Uh, I, I must admit, I, I probably have always lesser Geelong players. One of the ones I've been most sceptical about is probably Zach Guthrie. But um, he's got better, hasn't he? He was okay tonight, I thought. Yeah, yeah, no, he was okay. He was desperate. He he seemed more desperate than some of the other defenders, to be honest. Mm. Can I bring up with you a technical free kick point? Uh, yep. Okay. As an umpire, I believed this that if you are being held by an opponent and you execute a drop kick, that's dropping the ball. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah, it should be, yeah. Then when Max Gorn drop kicked it through his own goals for a rush behind and he was being held by close, I think technically that was a free kick. Yeah, yeah. I think the umpire might have been on the wrong side, though. Yeah, I'm uh, just saying highly technical, but... I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I think there was one like that up the other end involving um, Jack Henry as well. But anyway. Um, all right. Selwood signed for next year last week, says Simon Morris. Yep, should have been across that. Thanks for telling us, Simon. Uh, John Russell says, Max Gorn is the Tom Roberts of footy. Gaunt, hooded lids, pale, some consumption, and paints the game for others. You got me, John. <laughs> you got me to, we're two cultural black sheep here. Um, I'll take your word for it. But, uh, really? Well, Tom Roberts did some painting. Did he yeah, not? wasn't Tom Roberts a painter? He I was. Thought? He was. Well, he says he paints the game for others. Oh. It's gone way over our heads, John. Why don't you try it on some of the more intellectual members of the football media? Jack Russell <laughs> is the only one I know in that field. He paints. He paints. I'll tell you who else paints. Um, I've now forgotten who it is. Oh, Nick Larky. No, no, Nick Larky. Um, he paints, and in fact, he painted a portrait of uh, Kurt Cobain, which oh. we saw in one of those guided tour things that they do in the halftime break. Julian Evans paints as well. Does he? He's a house painter. Oh, very good. He is. <laughs> yeah, no, I believe you. Uh, Julian Evans says, was that the most goals by Ruckman in the final since Big Nick in the 72 grand final? Mm. Big Nick kicked six. Um, geez, could be. Yeah, good call. I reckon have to be, surely. It's uh, oh, a great call. I can't yeah. think. Yeah, no, you, I reckon that's a good spot, Julian. I think you've got that one. Um, Leroy Jones reckons Lever is off a 1980s footy car. Yeah, same same sort of feel. Moustache thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam Davies says, Henderson was done before he got to Geelong. Terrible. He and Rowan are done. 
Well, Henderson was actually put on the um, rookie list, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, correct. So he's squeezed a couple more seasons out of himself. I think he'd be, if you're going to frame a market of Geelong players most likely to retire, he'd probably be number one on your list, wouldn't he? Yeah, yes, definitely. Uh, Baldy says... Dalhouse. And who, sorry? Dalhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, Baldy says, classic Chris Scott tempo footy fails miserably against high-pressure sides in finals. I want to ask a question. Okay, we're going back 10 years, but the Cats won the flag in 2011. Clearly not playing the same style of footy they are now. Nowhere near that style. Okay, so why do you, I wonder if that was a case of Chris Scott saying, I'm not going to rebuild Rome in a day. I've tortured a few analogies there, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> have you? What? <laughs> uh, I have, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Did he just take work with what he was given then? Or? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Look, Geelong through that period, 2011, 2009, 2007, they, they first of all, had an incredible talent pool. I mean, look at that team, too. Very impressive list of players to choose from, but to me, the a hallmark of their football was able to sort of handball, not to the voice. They often used to handball over their back and they just knew that players were there in support. Um, they were certainly a team that moved the ball forward. They, they were not a stop-start football team. But I think they've worked with what they've got and he believes, I guess, that ageing midfield is not capable of running with other midfields. So let's play it on our terms. And if we can get the ball down to our big forwards with the last possession being a pass to them, that has us in pretty good stead. And it does work most of the time. Well, yeah. And that's been my argument too. They keep putting themselves up there. So you get up there, you get to the last four you've clearly got a very good chance of winning a flag. But it's now, I mean, what's their preliminary final record now? They've been in, they've been in 11 preliminary finals in 15 years. How many, it's, yeah, 11 in 15. How many of them have they won? Two. Is it two nine? I think, by the yeah. way, did you say Ben Keyes was coming home? Because a lot of people pointing out he's from Queensland. Born in Melbourne, though. People. So there you go. Uh, all right. Um, Johnson Von Trapp's telling you, finally, those omens are often absolute bollocks. Yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. Johnson, come on, lighten up. Especially 2021. You would have got good odds of that being a Tokyo Olympic year, given it's the first odd-numbered year of an Olympics ever. Even though history, they say, will remember it as the 2020 Olympics. They want it to be called 2020 Olympics. Well, same with the Euros. As Correct, well. yeah. Does yeah. that mean, are the next Olympics going to be 2025 or are we sticking with 2024? No, 2024. Okay, well, let's wait and see. I wouldn't be taking that as a given, the way we're going. Yeah, um, exactly. All right, uh, Keyes tweeted today he will miss playing with Kelly, says Daniel Hood. Why would he write that if he was going with him? <laughs> All right. Subterfuge, my friend, Daniel. See what happens. 
Well, okay. No, Finey seems... I've got to tell you, I've got to back up Finey here. He's male. Finey doesn't come out with, um, you know, stuff like this unless he's got pretty good mail. And it's, by and large, very much on the money, I would say. Um, oh, by the way, we've got a few people telling us Noah Bolter is the player who came from St Bernard's. There you go. From last night's show, I wasn't really paying attention. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, Julian Evans says, D centre square starting four is up there with some of the best. Even Geelong in 07 to 10 or 11. And the fab four of Lions and the great Hawks teams of the 80s didn't have a ruckman of Gorn's ability. Well, Hawthorne certainly didn't. Um, Geelong had Ottens, but he's not in Gorn's class. And uh, Lions only had a guy that played finals, Clark Keating, and would just belt the ball as far as he could. So I think that's another good call, Julian. You're on a roll tonight. Yep. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's up there with the best. Uh, Francis Leach, uh, footyology's own Francis Leach is on here tonight. And he says, paint a portrait of Finey. And it would be an Archibald contender. <laughs> is it what's that line out of Seinfeld? Is it Kramer who says or someone says of Kramer something about an ugly brute and yet I cannot look away? Yeah, that's a big painting of his. Well, why does it make me think of you finding? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh Paul Salmon, 93 grand final kick five, says Stephen Smith. Yeah, but he wasn't playing in the ruck, Stephen. That was uh who was it? Peter Somerville playing in the ruck that day. Um, Houseman rebuilt Paris, says Johnson Von Trapp. Geez, we're getting some sort of, you know, arty, farty sort of comments tonight. <laughs> What's going on here? The uh, the gallery's emptied out and they're all watching uh, Footyology Final Siren. Well, of course they're empty because you can't go to them. Uh, a lot about uh, Francis Leach again. Finey is now moonlighting as Elvis Costello with those specs on. They are yeah, Elvis yeah. Costello. Yeah. They are. Yeah. I, I was dealing with David Teague for a while, but, yeah, I can see that. Um, all right. Dimas Smeaton telling us Mason Cox's tweet is a ripper. Well, that's all fine and well, Dimmy. You need to actually tell us what it is because we can't see it from here. Although Damon Jackman, I'm sure, will go looking for it. Uh, Mikey TV asking, Rowan, do you still think the dogs can get it done as per your tip, given Keith is now out? Yeah, I do. I do. I'm, I must admit I'm not as confident, but um, if they're going to lose, I don't think they're going to lose via key forwards. And, and look, Charlie Dixon has an ordinary finals record. We know that. But it's not simply that. I think if, the, if Port are going to win um, in terms of a score, it's going to be more off the back of... Fantasia, Rosie, Gray, um, et cetera, I think. Yeah. I've, I've just got a thing. Look, I'll tell you what this is about. I've got a lot, I think the dogs are a great side at winning against the odds. Um, I think they've got a real self-belief now after those two finals wins. I did write a thing this week about sort of channeling the spirit of 2016. Where I think they can really get on top of Port is in midfield. Because as good as uh, Travis Spoke and Ollie Wines are, the Bulldogs have such a deep midfield. You know, Bontempelli, um, Liberatore, McRae, Dunkley, uh, Trelaw, Hunter, Smith. You know, like they've got almost double the number of genuine midfielders Port has. And I think 
they can that's an area they can really capitalise. And I also think the dogs have definitely done the right thing picking Stefan Martin to give English a chop out and just counter the physical strength of Lysette and Laddam. So, look, it's a hunch, but I just got a feeling the doggies can get it done. That selection last night reminded me of a line from one of my favourite movies, Chopper. And the line is? Sir, Keithy's done himself a mischief. Uh, you know, but he, 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 he sort of sliced poor old Keithy open. Sir, he's done himself a mischief. Yeah, I, I only watched Chopper quite recently, actually. Oh, Hasn't great. it lost on me, Fanny, that 90% of your favourite films are all like about grotesque serial killers? or No, or... not at all. In fact, I, I, I hate horror movies and I hate... I, I tend to not like movies that are nasty. Look, Chopper is part comedy and no small part comedy either. It's it's a great movie. Great acting. All right. Uh, okay, just on that, tw- Dimmer's come back to say, Cox said, welcome to prelim folklore, Max Gorn. <laughs> very good. <nice. laughs> very good. Yeah, no, yeah very, he's good. Very good. Uh, David's just put that up on the screen. No, he's, he's good value on Twitter, Mason. Well done. Yeah, yeah, uh, Cade Lucas pointing out the Paul Abbott kick six in 1988. Well, Cade, it just so happens I am the encyclopedia on dual Hawthorne Premiership player Paul Abbott because I went to high school with him. And he was a good mate of mine. And Always uh, dropping high schools. He did. <laughs> yeah, we have to take every chance we get. Uh, John Gardner High School in Hawthorne was that school. And uh, Eddie Rabbit came to our school for HSC from Morwell and played. Do you believe this? He still played school footy with us every week whilst he was playing at Hawthorne. Um, seems remarkable. Anyway, he did kick six in the 88 grand final. However, he wasn't playing in the ruck. Uh, the ruck that day was Greg Deere. Um, all right. Uh, Grant King likes what I said about the Bulldogs. Um, he thinks the Port defenders are, quote, poo. I think that's a little... A little, a little. He said all, all Australian poo. Um, yeah, I think that's a bit harsh, but uh, I just think they might generate enough opportunities to win it. Um, Mark G saying, Mick McGuan just said, let's get a campaign to get Neil Danaher over to Perth to present the cup. That would be a great moment, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a fantastic moment if Neil got to present the cup? Oh, look, you'd think, surely they would have thought of that. You'd think there must be health issues or or something there that would prevent it. Um, Johnson Von Trapps think, thinks Mason Cox would be useful at Geelong. Uh, John Russell has uh, departed from painting analogies to curious that Beveridge never elevated Jordan Sweet to the ruck in the latter part of the season. In the five appearances earlier in the year, the Dogs won the clearances. It's a good, good comment, John. Any thoughts on that, Fanny? Yeah, I agree. I, I thought Sweet sort of one of those Ruckman that guaranteed a break even, better than Lewis Young. And yeah, we'll see whether Stefan Martin can run out the game. Maybe he just thought Lewis Young offered more uh, flexibility when he wasn't rucking, which, let's face it, wasn't a huge percentage of game time, but... You, there was no way it was going to work, and particularly after that round 23 game, um, because my memory of that is that 
English just got munched by primarily Lysette, who's in really good form. And yeah. it's the strength as well, you know. So I, I reckon Martin can play a really important role for the doggies yeah. tomorrow night. And, um, and Rowan, as much as you are correct that they don't have the same sort of tall forward threat that maybe some other teams do, now with Keith not playing, keep an eye on Laddams. Mm. Yeah, he's handy up forward. Yeah, and I have a thing about Laddams. Yeah. He's a magnificent kick of goal. Yeah, yeah, no, he's he's handier than most ruckman playing forward, I think. Such um, a beautiful dead eye kick. Don't give him too many chances. Yeah. Um, all right, a few people saying Ronald Dale Barassi should be presenting the cup. Uh, in fact, oh, they don't name that till late, do they? We know. Um, and now I've forgotten who it is. Andrew Embley, I think, presenting the Norm Smith Medal. Hmm? Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, if they have named the uh, two potential cup presenters. By the way, someone tweeted earlier um, about Jordan Dawson wanting out of Sydney to go home to South Australia. That's a big loss for them. Oh, a big loss. Beautiful yeah. kick. He is a lovely kick of the footy. So Good player. Just a good footballer. Yeah. Um, it's interesting now, isn't it, when a guy says he wants to go home, that uh, you don't get too many situations now where the club sort of plays hardball, do you? They'll always try and get the deal done. Yeah. Do you reckon you could ever get a player, say he's playing for the Bulldogs, who lives in Bentley that wants to go home to St Kilda? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, it's a global village now, Finding I don't think the world is... Uh, although the world has got larger again in COVID, hasn't it? Uh, I, I had uh, need to uh, drive... In fact, am I allowed to say this? No, I'd probably better not. Um, I drove a little bit out of my zone a few days ago and it felt <gasps> like I was crossing the Simpson Desert. Uh, I was feel, to, I, was to I get feel a prescription. Nervous. I get nervous taking the rubbish out after nine o'clock. Seriously. <laughs> like, I look around. And I just hear... Um, a few weeks ago, I think like a, literally a couple of days after the 9pm curfew came in, I uh, I think I ran out of milk. So I went down to the BP and I pulled into the driveway. It was like it was two minutes past nine. There was one car parked in the um, service station. What sort of car do you think it was? Police car? Yep. <laughs> and I thought, I'm stuffed. <laughs> Are they going to accept? But I was out of milk. Anyway, fortunately, they um, they went on their way. But uh, there you go. Um, all right, uh, it's John Walsfold presenting the Jock McHale Medal, of course. Thanks, Robert, to the uh, winning coach. Um, Tim Dole says, "Hey, Finey, the word on why St Kilda didn't offer Dunstan a contract was they had another free agency in mind. Rumours had it as Luke Parker, but that's not happening now. Who else could they have in their free agency sites?" Can't think of who they would be after, to be honest. Look, look, Luke Dunstan, at the end of last season, he was told to look elsewhere. And even though he didn't find somewhere else to play his football, it has been, I believe, a fairly um, tense relationship thereafter, even though he played quite a good bunch of senior football this year and played well there was always a sense that as soon as this year was up, they were going to part company. 
Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, well, he's had, I mean, you know, you can't say he hasn't had his chances over the last few years. Uh, we've got another flurry of comments. Uh, Kate, Kate has joined us. Says, pull-in finals aside, can we get some Brownlow picks, please? By the way, Kate uh, will be managing my fans-only account shortly, finally. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, just kidding, Kate. Kate and I have been having a bit of a dialogue about my fans-only account. I've told her I need to lose about 20 kilos first and, of course, set up a payment scheme so that I pay the people that want to watch. Um, all right, being stupid. All right, Tay, got a Brownlow tip for me? Sam Walsh. Um, I think I'm going to go Marcus Montempelli. Like, he's due and uh, he's had an outstanding season. And I don't think you get too many surprises in the Brownlow these days, do you? No. Um, there is a formula and it sort of goes, if you are going to get an upset, pick a midfielder who had a good season from a club where there's not going to be many other midfielders to get votes. And I just don't think Cripps got many votes this year. And nobody else comes to mind at Carlton at all. I just think he gets votes always. You know, it's whether or not they won enough games. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. There was a period there where you basically had to come from a top four side to win a Brownlow. But that mould's been broken a bit in recent years, hasn't it, with um, uh, Ablett, with Gold Coast. I'm just looking up at my season guides to remind myself of the um, Brownlow winners. Matt Prittis, 2014. Uh, any other non-top four? You know, you, you know there's a period where you had to come from like a bottom four team. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gary Dempsey. Uh, oh, Bob Skelton's three Brownlow. Yeah, yeah. Hayden Bunton, I don't think played in... I'd, in fact, Dick Reynolds, even though Dick Reynolds played in a lot of finals, I don't reckon he played in finals when he won his Brownlows. Yeah, yeah, all right. Hayden Murdoch's on the board. Right. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. I'm just reading the comments. I'm multitasking for him. Hayden Murdoch says, does your missus know about Kate Roko? You gush with glee every time you utter her name. Hayden, Kate is my missus. Or will, <laughs> or will be soon. Um, I'm just kidding, Kate. Hope you forgive me for all this. Um, all right. Uh, Brian Wilson. Oh, yeah, there's a, a non-finals Brownlow winner. Uh, who else? Peter Moore in 84 with Melbourne. Um, Barry Round, Bernie Quinlan. Or Barry Round, at least. Anyway, Did Carlton make the finals when Chris Judd won the Brownlow? Uh, yes, they did, 2010. Oh, they did. Okay. Yep, yep. Um, all right, so a few other Brownlow tips from people. Kate, by the way, tips Jack Steele. So is Johnson Von Trapp. Willem Van, Willem Van Denderen. Willem who? Willem Van Denderen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Judd, 2010. It wasn't even worth reading out. Uh, Paul Kelly in 95, yep. Swans didn't make it. Lock at 87. Thanks, people. People here know their footy. Yep. Uh, all right. John Russell says, a bit cruel, but Eichold, Campbell and Yates, they all missed shots in the 87 preliminary final to present the cup atonement. <laughs> that's, that's, that's was a, a terrible one. miss by Eichold. Well, can I tell you, vis-a-vis -vis Paul Abbott, 
um, I remember Paul saying to me that the reason Simon Eichel missed that shot is because Paul was standing on the mark and he was so ugly that it completely put Eichel off his kick. <laughs> uh, funny guy. Uh, funny guy. Shane Crawford, of course, Hawthorne in 99, didn't make it. Um, uh, Tony Liberatore, 1990, says Hayden Murdoch. Uh, I reckon we need to do the tips, Fidey, or the tip. Yep. Um, so this could take about five seconds. So what have you got for us this week? Well, for oh, hang on, wait, the- sorry. I've just got to string it out so Damon can put up a tweet. Uh, it's going to have to be a quick one, though. So what is our device for tipping this week, Fidey? Well, I thought given that Melbourne are already waiting for an opponent in the grand final, isn't that exciting for Melbourne supporters? I know it's hard that they're not able to go to the game, most of them, but... Still exciting. Um, uh, your tip will come in the form of the initials of a player who played not only for the team you're tipping, but also for Melbourne. Mm, gee, okay. Uh, yeah, that narrows it. Um, all right. You love your initials, don't you? Of course. Well, no, it's just a way of... Otherwise, it's silly. You know, if, if you name the person... Look, the problem is we know each other's tips. So we make the competition something else. Yeah, all right. Okay, so I'll we'll just give uh, Damon a bit of time to get that tweet up and we'll attract a few more viewers yeah. who tune in specifically for the wacky madcap craziness that is the tipping so, segment. So um, I guarantee that you cannot get my tip correct, my person correct. Oh, you've done that before and I have. No, it's impossible. Well, then why do it? You'll see why. So I'm tipping JT. Hang on, wait. I said why. All right, all right. Stephen Giles said, I watched the last two minutes of the 87 prelim today. Still find it hard how Melbourne found a way to lose. But just tell you, Stephen, I was sitting in the out of that day and barracking very vociferously against Hawthorne. And uh, not because of Hawthorne, but I wanted Melbourne to get in the grand final. It would have been a fairy tale. Anyway, after they looked to have Hawthorne done to a crisp, um, I turned around to a particularly annoying Hawthorne supporter who'd been absolutely going on like a pork chop all day. And I absolutely gave it to this bloke. And so, of course, when they lost after the siren, I did the bolt <laughs> from <laughs> the Olympic Games because I thought, I'm going to get killed here. Um, all right, we've got plenty of suggestions coming in for this one already. Uh, so it's going to be hard to ignore them, but I'll have a crack. All right, so you want to go first, do you? Yeah. But I'm not going to guess it, so am I now going to string it out for 15 minutes like you would? Oh, you'll guess it. You just want to get it right. So my initials okay. are JT. Uh, all right, so clearly you want me to say Jimmy Tumpus. At which point I will say incorrect. Is that it? Yeah, I mean, whichever one you picked, I was going to say the other. Oh, okay, very good. Yeah, that's very good. Um, All right, I am going with... uh, hmm. I've got to remember who I'm tipping. (laughs) No, no, I remember now. Um, All right. Oh, God. Hang on. Jeez, I'm struggling. Um, I'm just going to have to check something very quickly. Hang on. Got to check whether this guy did actually play. <laughs> AFL. No, no, he did, but I'm pretty sure he did play for this time. That's a good one. Come on. Great. Right. Yeah, got it. Yeah, this is a good one. 
Mm, happy with this. All right. My tip is DC. Um, Collins. Um, is it Collins? Well, what's the first name? Like um, David? No. Is it Collins? No. That's still forward? It's not nope. Collins? Nope. Okay. You think you're Dennis Collins, the beard? No, no, no. No, I'm thinking of a little blonde forward that played for the Bulldogs. There was a game against the Kilda in the wet at Waverley that the Bulldogs won. Oh, Darren Collins? Darren Collins, yeah. Yeah, no, it's not him. Okay. Um, I don't know if he played for Melbourne. Um, okay. Oh, in, the, in fact, I'm going to do what you did. What? I'm going to, well, I'm going to say DC and you're yeah. going to guess and then I'm going to say you're wrong because it's okay. two. All right, <laughs> good. All right, so I'll go for um, Cuthbertson didn't play for Bulldogs, did he? Nope. And Darren was his first. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying it's a DC. Um, no, uh, one, no one has guessed mine yet. Um, the Cockatoo Collins didn't play for Bulldogs. No. Um, all right, let me think. Um, a, da a David. Must be a David. David. No. Can't think of. Give up? Um, no, I don't. A Danny? A Daniel? Right. Well, I'll tell you what, um, just while you're working it out, I'm going to read this comment. Uh, Ross McKell says, I live in Brisbane, but in 87, you keep thinking, Fanny. Yeah, yeah. I watched that game with a couple who were diehard D's fans who moved up to Brisbane earlier that year, always lived in Melbourne, never seen the D's playing finals. First time in years, D's look like winning anything. And for most of that game, we're far and away the better team. You could imagine the devastation at the end of that game. Probably only matched by the devastation of living in Brisbane during the reign of Joe Bielke Peterson, Ross. Would I be correct in saying that? Although, no, I think it had come to an end by then, fortunately. Um, all right. Uh, Ronnie Isco telling us that Chris Scott said he would not take calls for some time. That's alluding to the uh, coaching job. Um, Daniel Cross. Uh, no. Well, yes, that, that is DC, but it's not the one I was thinking of. And it actually isn't the one I was thinking of. That came up later because I was thinking of a man. I'm here. I'm going to let you guess it now. He played for Melbourne. He played one season for Footscray and he also played for St Kilda. Dean Sharon. Correct. That was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, that is good, Dean Sharon. Not often you stump Finey on those things. Uh, all right. Uh, any more questions, anyone? Give you about a minute to uh, come up with questions. Let's talk quickly about the game properly, actually, Finey. We did preview it on the podcast, but yep. you haven't seen anything to change your tip from uh, Port Adelaide by... Look, look, I agree with 23 you, 23 points. Yep. Rowan, I, I agree with a lot of your sentiment that there is a real backs-to-the-wall quality about the Bulldogs that is admirable, that that has been reignited in this final series, of course. Yeah. And that they've got a strong midfield, even though I'm not very comfortable with Bontempelli's fitness going into this game. But I can't overlook the fact that the, the rarest of rare things in this final series is a home ground advantage, and Port Adelaide have one with a crowd full of wild supporters, you know, even with the umpires having to resist that because they haven't had that much in the last few months. And all of a sudden, they're going to have 50,000 people absolutely baying for 
one team and one team alone. That's a, a strong dynamic. It is. Uh, didn't didn't affect the doggies last week, though. No, no, it was good, but it's going to be double that and some in Adelaide. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. But I would say they did. Uh, they beat West Coast in Perth in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand that. I understand. I, 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 what I do feel is the doggies have got to work around keeping the ball away from the Lear Lear. They cannot, and you know. I do feel that they do kick a lot of ball into that forward line, sort of up in the air, hoping Norton does the right thing by them. Yeah. Without Waitman at the drop of the... I, I really think he's important, Waitman, for them. Anyway, yeah, yes. Well, well I'm, I'm saying in, in lieu of him, one guy who absolutely has to play well is Aaron Norton. I don't yeah. think they can win if he is as quiet as he was last week. Um, because they'd be relying too heavily on, on Shacky. Um, yeah. I guess, you know, that's the other benefit, of course, of having Martin in is that English can play forward and he's pretty capable up forward, I think. Uh, Richard Kershaw pointing out 2016 was five years ago, half a decade. True. There's still, um, although the other side of the coin though, Richard, I think last week they still had nine or ten of that premiership side in the lineup, and they were all Senior players. So there was uh, Bontempelli, McRae, Liberatore, Hunter. Um, who else? Come on, help me here, Fonny. Who else? Who else? Okay, players. still in the side. Yeah. Zane Cordy. Yep. They didn't play last week. Oh, yeah, right. He but he's play. there. He's playing this week. Um, Yo, Hennison. Yes. Gee, I'm sure memorably. I'm sure uh, yeah, there might be more than that. I mean, I mentioned Toby, Hunter. Yeah, McLean's injured. Yeah. Um, um, Wallace is not being considered. Anyway, my point was it might have yeah. been 10 left on the list. Eastern Wood. Eastern Wood, yep. My point was the, the turnaround wasn't as um, hefty as I thought it might have been. You know, I thought there might have only been four or five left, but it, it was actually a bit more than that. And they're all. Pivotal players, Dunkley is another one, and Daniel. Caleb Thank you, Daniel, of course. Chris. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. In fact, hang on. Sorry, my, um, this is going to light up my face, but I'm just going to last week and I'll tell you exactly who there was. Just bear with me. Uh, Bulldogs, Brisbane. So, uh, Bontempelli, um, Daniel, Dunkley. Hunter, Johannesson, Liberatore, McRae, and Wood. So eight, eight players. Well, that's, you know, more than a third of a side yep. have premiership experience. And look, you know, no disrespect to Port. They've won seven in a row. They're playing great footy. They finished second. The Bulldogs finished fifth. But if you weren't aware of that finding, if you just had sort of an overview of this season, right, as a whole, and he said, who's had the better season, the Bulldogs or Port Adelaide? Who would you say? Bulldogs. But, yeah, so. But, Rowan, that's Bulldogs with Josh Bruce in the team. Yeah. And I don't think they've looked the same since he hasn't been in the team. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, all right. Uh, how long have we been going, Damon? We're up to around our uh, usual limit. 
a bit short. Okay, I think we might wrap it up there, folks. So uh, thanks to your company tonight. Now, importantly, hey, Damon, did you put the... Um, Tomorrow night. For, hang on, I'm about to say that. I'm excited. All right, well, you can do the plug for it. But before you plug that, plug this. Become an official Footyology patron, folks. The link's up there now. Come on, our subscriptions are stalled. I know a lot of you are on board, but if you're watching this regularly and getting, you know, reasonable value for money, and I know you think you, you do, just from the tipping segment alone, put your hand in your kick and give us seven bucks a month to help keep this going. Because, I'm, and I am being quite serious now, this production specifically is the one that will be most endangered unless we can get a bit more folding stuff. So, uh, no, and we're very appreciative of the support, but we actually do need it. So, if you and can... look how cheap that bookcase is behind Rowan, that's not an expensive bookcase. That's pretty good, actually. And I think uh, I've only just worked out, I think it's detachable. So, that will be moving with me when I move house in a couple of months from now. In fact, that's one of the things you have to look forward to next year if we go on with this is me working from a new set, a slightly um, cosier set because I won't be living in a house anymore with about five vacant rooms. Um, but uh, that remains to be seen. Anyway, not looking forward to house move. I don't handle disruption or routine very well. Oh, here's a good one, finally, just before we go. Johnson Montrap asking if you and I are going to take over SEN's drive shift from Andy and Bob because, of course, Bob Murphy is headed west to work with Fremantle. Are you aware of that, finally? No, I'm, I'm not. Really? He's well, had a bit of run in the media. He is. He's going to work in a welfare role. Oh, good. Um, yeah, but uh, means Andy Marr looking for a new drive time host. Your name was mentioned. Yeah, in I'm, fact, pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it'll be... I'm reckon I can work out it can be. Say that again. Are you pretty sure what? I'm pretty sure it'll be somebody like a... Former a, player? No, somebody, yeah, a former player or somebody whose name begins with Sam. <laughs> uh, they have got a few Sams, but uh, you, you might be in the running for me, so don't say anything too mm. untoward. You'll be pleased to know, too, a few people were tweeting that about you and I, and I retweeted one and uh, was met with a, a tide of responses saying yes to Finey and a big no to me. What? Curious, uh, yeah, no, some are saying they loved you and they hated me. In fact, one bloke who said that actually followed me, so that enabled me to quote tweet him and say, well, what are you following me for, numbnuts? And he had no response to that. Of can, I, can I just say that as an offsider, as a, you know, to work with, mm -hmm. you are up in the top three I've ever worked with. Really? Thank you. Who are the other oh, two? Only, only on a sports station. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get entwined in your political on a non-sports station it might be a bit heavy for me, but you know what, when it comes to working with somebody and you're just comfortable in whatever the topic and whatever, you know, cause that's part of it. Trusting your other, your, your cohort to, you know, understand and know and not having to dumb things down. We can, I could talk football at a depth with you that I probably could not talk with, almost anybody I've ever done radio with. So, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a very nice thing to say, and I feel exactly the same way about working with you, Finey. I think we'd be very good in a dual pairing on SEN. So, people, if you really think that, I suggest you bombard the owner of 
SEN with tweets about it. I can't because I'm blocked by um, uh, Mr. Hutchison for some reason. I actually apparently did say that I was just too, what did he say? I was too intense or something. It was probably the political stuff. Mate, yeah, it's not just footy knowledge. You, know, you see, I mean, Jeff Poulter was great to work with from a footy knowledge level, but there were other things that were more difficult. Do you, you know what my great example of that was? Music? No. Oh, forget music. When Jeff, Jeff would sometimes read the screen with the SMSs on them. Yeah. And one of them took umbrage at something he said. <laughs> what did he do? And he, and he sort of gave an explanation. He said, look, the reason I said that was because I had been involved with that person, whatever. And then he referred to the person that he thought sent the message. Anyhow, don't take it too personally, lol. <laughs> <laughs> well, you probably don't remember this, but there was one night I was on your show when I did read out a text from a Jenny Taylor. <laughs> oh, you got caught up in that, did you? Fair enough. Uh, yes, I was, uh, I was far more naive and you did become familiar with the workings of a text machine after a while. Yeah. All right, so finally, tell everyone what's happening tomorrow night. Well, I'm very excited because I think I, I, I agree entirely and we've got a, a wonderful um, supporter of ours to thank for this, isn't it? Because we sort of got, yeah. Indeed. They're going, Wild Panda is his student, uh, non-diplume, who was very generous um, in becoming a footyology patron and um, basically bankrolling this extra edition of Footyology Final Siren tomorrow night following the game. But the reason I'm excited is because we've both got different opinions as to how the game's going to go. I think we were ad dem, as they say, tonight. And no surprises there. But I think tomorrow night throws up a far more delicious possibility of a close game and, you know, one of us will sort of have to backtrack and the other one can stick the boots in. I like that. Yeah, I like that too. And, uh, well, the worst thing that can happen from my perspective is that you get a tip back on me, which reduces my winning margin over you to about 10 rather than 11. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. I don't like footy tipping. I think it's rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, I've uh, got to say, Wild Panda is viewing tonight and he, he says, thanks, guys. No, thank you, Wild Panda. We are really grateful. Hayden Murdoch says, I'll add a 50, guys. Good on you, Hayden. Get in there. Give to what hurts. This, this is like the uh, Royal Children's Hospital appeal. Hey, give, one thing before yeah, we no, go. Wait, hang on, Friday. I yeah, have yeah. to say, give that we may grow. <laughs> we don't need to grow. Um one thing we didn't discuss tonight was the umpiring. Yeah. And I've got to say, that idea of just not paying free kicks because it's a big game does not sit well with me. Gee, there was some wild play in that first quarter that wasn't free kicked. Yeah, that's true. But I, I thought the umpiring overall was okay. I mean, certainly. You've got to pay some free kicks when they're there, though. Well, did... Selwood play on from that too high, or what happened there? No, what happened there was um, it was it was touched on the way to him, and he correctly saw that it was touched. But and that was Max up- Gordon. Oh, uh, was it? Max Gordon kicked that beautiful goal. That yeah, yeah. Now this was one that Selwood got his head ripped off, and either the umpire didn't pay it, or Selwood 
took a step and the umpire called play on. Either way, it was pretty No, I, I think Selwood didn't hear him call the free because he asked him after that. Right, that and a, he did play on. Free? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I thought Selwood was very unlucky to get that 50-metre penalty against. Yeah, but, all, yeah, by the same token, though, why would you even risk it? You know, like at that, at that moment, the game was gone, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it didn't matter, exotic. Rowan, because tonight, for the first time in my life, and that is saying something because I'm no spring chicken, and the first time in your life, Melbourne are heading into a grand final as fair of dead set chances to win and favourites. I mean, I've, I've followed a lot of footy. I've had mates all my life who've barracked for Melbourne. Yeah. And tonight, yep. for the first time ever, they are sitting... And to use an old expression, smoking the corn cob pipe. Yep, absolutely. And um, it's, it hasn't happened in our lifetime. Just quickly to thank you very much, John Russell, who has now become a footyology patron. So thank you, John. Much appreciated. And on those Melbourne supporters, we worked with several, didn't we? Uh, Dr. Turf, of course. Uh, Kerry Lambert. Uh, formerly of SEN. A lot of Melbourne supporters. Uh, who are I Jesse mean, Hogan, of course. Jesse Hogan, my former age colleague. And one yeah, of yeah. yeah. How humans. He's good and he's very excited about what's uh, what could happen. So good luck, Jess. Um, and of course, and we, Ox. All, we all know a few. I mean, the Ox or Theo yeah. X. Yeah. A lot, see, there were a lot of Melbourne supporters I worked with. Yep. And uh, they've... <laughs> They've done it. Uh, no, AJ, we're not talking about finding his rap song. Uh, now, Fidey, we got about halfway through that plug, but we didn't actually say. So we are doing Footyology Final Siren tomorrow night. And um, game time is 7.40. So I reckon if we're lucky, oh, 10.30 would be about the anticipated start time. But check your local guides for details because the whole world, We'll be tuning in to Footyology Final Sign tomorrow night after what we reckon will be a cracking game of footy. 10.30 tomorrow night. Join us again, everyone. And um, we'll do this all again. And it's been fun. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Cheers. Cheers.